The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, Grove Church. So happy that you're here today. You look good. You feeling good? All right. Hey, awesome. We continue our series today calling uh, Lights, Camera, Action. We're talking about uh, the move of the Holy Spirit. Who is the Holy Spirit? What does he do in our life? Uh, How important does he play uh, on a daily basis in our lives? Before we get to the text today, I want to talk about a couple things happening at the Grove Church. One of them is probably the most important one, and that is that starting April 1st, uh, we're going to be taking on uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting leading up to the Easter weekend. And so you're going to be hearing more about this uh, next Sunday and the following Sunday. This is an opportunity for us as a church, both at the Marysville campus and here at the Snohomish campus, to take an opportunity to begin to pray for what God wants to do on uh, Good Friday as well as Saturday and Sunday as we have services. And so you'll be hearing more about that. I want to encourage you to be considering maybe what day or what days you can take um, to fast a meal and be able to pray and believe God for some amazing breakthrough uh, during the Easter weekend. And so I want to encourage you to do that as you hear more about it. You'll be able to sign up online or at the guest table in the lobby, but it'll be a cool opportunity for us to pray and fast together as well one church. So we'll be looking for that. I want to recap before we jump into uh, part three today, just kind of where we've been. Maybe this is your first time here uh, to the Grove Church. I want to say welcome to you. I'm so glad that you're here today, and uh, hopefully you felt welcome when you came through the doors. I want to recap a little bit where we've been so that we can kind of get to where we want to go today. First of all, in week one, we talked about Acts 1-8, that when, when uh, the, Jesus ascended into heaven, he said, uh, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Judea, Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And we talked about that the Holy Spirit, when he came into our lives at salvation, that the primary um, work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, this power, uh, as the text reads, if you study it, it's like dynamite, this power, this presence that lives inside of us. Its primary purpose is to give us the ability to be a witness for Jesus Christ in our world. And we recognize that in the early days of the early church, the disciples needed the presence of God more than they ever could to pull off what God was asking them to do. Basically, God was asking them to become missionaries in a hostile land and begin to be a witness for everything that they had seen and heard. And so Dr. Luke, when he writes Luke Acts, is reminding us that the primary role of the Holy Spirit in our lives, number one, is to be a witness. Last week, we talked about not only does the Holy Spirit give us the power to be a witness, but the Holy Spirit's, another role or work of the Holy Spirit in our lives is the ability to give us boldness. And we see this displayed all throughout the book of Acts, this theme of boldness. And in this context, boldness in Acts was the ability to verbally speak about what you believed despite any threat or harm to you or your family. And at that time, in the early first century, Christians, early Christians, were being persecuted for their faith, and Jesus was calling them to be bold in their witness, no matter what they may come across or against. In fact, the word boldness in this context, in Acts, described us verbally being bold with our communication of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't be bold in our actions or the way that we show the love of Christ, 
But last week we learned that in our world today, one of the most important and powerful things we can do is to actually speak with our mouth what we believe and have heard and follow the saving work of Jesus Christ. So that's where we've been. Today we're talking about the encouragement of the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to be encouraged by the Holy Spirit? Or how can we be an encouragement, more importantly, to others? Well, my wife Amanda and I, we have two girls. Uh, Lydia is going to be four this year in June. And then uh, June is uh, uh, about 15 months. And so they're awesome. It's crazy in my house right now. And a lot of times I take the girls to the park on the weekend when I'm off work. And so me and the girls recently went to a park right down the road from our house where my, my wife was gone doing some grocery shopping. As we were at the park, this grandma showed up to uh, the park with about five different kids, all different ages, and Lydia was all excited because she's like, Daddy, there's kids here. You know, so she was super stoked about being able to play with other kids. So they came, and we are just interacting with them a little bit, and I kind of, uh, at one point, Lydia was, uh, you know, wanted to go on the slide. Maybe she was a little bit, a little bit nervous. So I said, I said, you know, Lydia, you know, go down the slide. And this older grandma said to me, she said, oh, what's her name? I said, oh, her, her name is Lydia. She goes, oh, that's my name. I'm like, oh, no way, that's crazy. So she was this older gal, and she's like, yeah, you just don't hear that name very much anymore. I'm like, no, you don't. I said, would you mind if I asked what kind of nicknames or what kind of, you know, um, names were you, were you called growing up with the name Lydia? And so we'd be, she would just kind of go back into her memory. She was saying, uh, well, my, my lovely aunt called me Liddy, which some of you know my family, we call Liddy. Uh, we call Lydia, Lydia a lot. She said, my younger brother call, uh, called me Lyd, and sometimes I call her Lyd. Uh, and I thought, because she had a younger brother, that it was like a prophetic word that maybe Amanda and I could have a boy when we go for our third one. So I just felt like that was God speaking to us in that moment on the playground. Um, she, said, uh, she said, but strangers have called me um, Libya. She says, uh, strangers called me Olivia. Uh, she said, some strangers have called me Lin- Linda. And then she said something I thought was kind of sad, and I thought I'd probably ruin my child's life forever. She said, at one point I got so tired of people thinking that I was Linda or Olivia or Libya or Libby that um, I wanted to just change my name completely to Linda. And so I was like, there's just no hope for my kids. So I felt kind of bad about that. But no, it was super cool to meet someone and to hear some of the, you know, the nicknames or the things that she was, you know, known by and different relationships that she, you know, had encountered just in her life having the same name um, as our, our daughter Lydia. It made me think, I don't know about in your family, but it made me think about uh, just nicknames in general. You know, like my name is Andrew. It's not Drew. It's not Andy. The only person that ever called me Andy was my grandma, which I guess you have to allow that. Um, but, you know, I never went by Drew or never went by, you know, Anthony or anything like that. It's always been Andrew. Um, but, you know, we've had nicknames over the years. Uh, my brothers growing up used to call me Dumbo, which now there's the real life Dumbo coming out because I had big ears and I was kind of chubby. Um, and now I'm gorgeous. And so, haha, <laughs> look at that. But um, no, so like the real one's coming out. So my brothers and I have been harassing each other about we're going to go see it together because it's, you know, represents me because I had just these huge ears and uh, a chubby face. But um, it made me think about just different nicknames over the years. Uh, one time, somehow I was, I was a youth leader and they knew that I grew up being homeschooled and my brothers and I shared underwear, which is weird. Don't do that. I don't recommend that. And so um, because of that, I got this nickname that I was like a cuddler. So then the nickname turned into like Spoonios. People were calling me like Spoonios and people were like joking around about how much I like to spoon, which is super weird. Um, and so 
Um, I've gotten over that, but I, it made me think about just nicknames. Like what would people say about me or characteristics about my life or things that I would be known by? And a lot of times people call me just the loud one. It even happened at a party yesterday. I was in a birthday party, sitting in a corner, drinking a juice box, and the host of the party was like, hey, you're loud. Can you get everyone's attention? I was like, I'm only known by this one characteristic, which is the loud one. Or I joked around about how, like, when I get hungry, I get angry, so I become hangry. And so I thought, like, maybe I'll be known by that. You know, just a person that gets annoyed and frustrated when he doesn't eat. Or sometimes I can be a little bossy, and so maybe I'll be known as the bossy one. But Growing up, we had all sorts of nicknames, but it makes me think, if you think about your name or even the qualities that represent you, you know, it makes you think, what would people say about you? Or how would people describe who you are, whether it's because of a nickname and that was a silly thing that reminded them of this quality, or if it was a situation that happened or a memory in your family that got you a certain nickname, but what kind of qualities or what would people describe for you that would naturally come out as, as good qualities, qualities that would last, qualities that you would know would make an impact in our world. In Acts 4, 36-37, we meet a gentleman whose name, we, we learn his name and then we learn like his nickname. And it's a pretty cool quality if you think about this guy and his name, but what his name really meant or what he was known by. It says, thus Joseph who was also called by the apostle Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So we immediately meet this guy named Joseph, but he has a nickname named Barnabas, so he was known as, to the apostles as Barnabas, and we learn that this name means son of encouragement. Like how cool is that, that your name means son of encouragement. You're just known as an encourager. You're just known as just uplifting people. In fact, in the scriptures, the word encouragement means to call alongside or to come alongside another. This is what this word means, to come alongside or to call alongside another, to, to be with someone, to come around them, to come alongside them, to help them. We learn that this person, Barnabas, was this encourager. He was known for this. In fact, in, in John 14, 25, Jesus writes about the Holy Spirit. He says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus was saying something when he talked about sending the Holy Spirit. He was encouraging them that they would not be alone, that they would be given this incredible peace, and that their hearts did not have to be troubled because the Holy Spirit was going to be with them. There's just something about what happens when we experience the encouragement of the Holy Spirit in our lives or when we're an encouragement to someone else. I want to pray and I want to talk about what that looks like today. God, I thank you so much. I know for a fact in this room, God, we all need encouragement. God, there's times in our lives where we're beat down and frustrated and, and feel insecure and broken, God. There's times, God, where we just need a pick-me-up. We need somebody, God, your presence, yes, but we need others in our lives to speak hope and encouragement into us to say, hey, you're gonna be okay. 
you're going to make it. I pray today, God, our hearts would just be filled with joy and that more importantly, God, we would be encouraged by your Holy Spirit today in your good name. Amen. So when Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, his role in our life, another role of his li- in our life is to be an encouragement to us in our faith. And I want to just read you. I'm just going to read a gamut of verses from Acts about this encouragement and what it means to be spread to others. But you can just listen to this theme in Acts about how many times the disciples were encouraging or speaking an encouraging word. They're not on the screen, but if you take taken notes, you can write these down. Acts 9.31, Paul was preaching, and when he left the church, was encouraged by the Holy Spirit. There's that encouragement from the Holy Spirit. Acts 11.23, Barnabas encouraged early Christians in Antioch to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. Acts 13.15, brothers, if you have a message of encouragement for the people, please speak. Acts 13, 43, Paul and Barnabas urged them to continue in the grace of God. Acts 14, 22, Paul strengthened the disciples and encouraged them to remain true to their faith. Acts 15, 31, people read the epistles and were glad for its encouraging message. Judas and Silas said much to encourage and strengthen the brothers. Acts 14, uh, 15, 41, excuse me, Paul went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches or encouraging the churches. Acts 16, 5, Paul and Timothy went back to churches so the churches were strengthened or encouraged in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Acts sixteen forty, Paul and Silas out of prison, they met with the brothers and encouraged them. Acts 18.23, Paul went throughout the region of Galatia, strengthening or encouraging all the disciples. Acts 18.21, Apollos wanted to go to Achaia. The brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples there to welcome him. Acts 21, Paul in Ephesus, after encouraging them, are you getting sick of it yet? After encouraging them, said goodbye and went to Macedonia speaking many words of encouragement to the people. Acts 27, 22, Paul on a ship to Rome, now I urge you to keep up your courage, so keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God. Acts 27, 33 through 36 says, Paul urged the men or encouraged the men on the ship to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food. Acts 28, 15, Paul met in Rome by brothers and was encouraged. Okay, you can see the annoyance, but also the importance of this idea of encouragement in the early stages of the church. The most fascinating thing, if you think about how many times this word is used, the most fascinating thing, if you really think about it, is wow, man, the early church really needed encouragement. I mean, were they just a bunch of pansies and just couldn't do what God was asking them to do? I mean, these were people, listen, these were people who had witnessed accounts with their own eyes and their own ears, had witnessed accounts of being with Jesus Christ. Think about that for a minute. You and I, have, well, you and I will never experience that until Christ comes back again. 
where we actually get to be physically in his presence, watching him do miracles, watching him perform the feeding of the 5,000, watching him turn water into wine, watching him heal a, a man with leprosy or a, a lame man walk, or watching someone be you know, blind now being able to see. These were disciples, these were the 12 or the 11 that were with Jesus. And yet over and over and over and over and over again, they need to be strengthened. They need to be encouraged. They need to be built up. They need to be you know, excited. They need a little bit of a pick-me-up. They need a little bit of a rally cry. They need a little bit of a, of a cheer-up. They need someone to say something to them so that they can continue to be the witness, the bold witness that God is asking them to be. The point I'm trying to make is that if the disciples, the very people who had seen the miracles, had seen the risen Jesus, had touched his hands and his scars and his hands and his feet, and they, of all people, needed this much encouragement to continue the course and continue to be faithful in their pursuit of Jesus Christ, how much more do you and I need it? How much more? Do you and I need to know that Christ sent his presence, his Holy Spirit into our lives to remind you and I, you can do this. You're an overcomer. God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. You can accomplish anything if you put your mind to it. I am with you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am your rock. I am your shield. I am your peace. I am your hope. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, who strengthens you. How much more do we need this encouragement just like the disciples and the early apostles needed it? In Philippians 2.1, it says, so if there is any encouragement, there it is again, in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others." Paul is saying, if there's encouragement in your spirit, if there's this joy and this love, know that this has all come from God's presence and spirit working in your life. I can walk in encouragement, I can walk in love, I can walk in unity, I can walk in joy because God sent his very presence, his Holy Spirit, and did not leave me alone, but gave me his peace and gave me his comforter and gave me his advocate to pull off being an encouragement in this life. So number one, I get this encouragement from the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life and I can get it daily. I can be filled multiple times. When I'm feeling down and I'm feeling frustrated and I'm feeling like I'm just like a cog in a wheel or like a robot in this life, I can go to God and say, God, I need a fresh outpouring of your presence in my life because I can't do this alone. I need more of your encouragement today. I need more of your love today. God, I'm feeling really impatient behind this wheel on I-5. I need a lot more of your patience today. 
So I receive and I can get and I can experience this affection and this joy and this amazing presence of God in my life on a daily basis. But then he says, don't do anything from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. For the next remaining time, I wanna, I wanna give you some points here, some practical steps here of what does it look like to encourage someone? What does it look like if I want to encourage my friend, my mom, my dad, my student, my coworker? What does it look like to actually encourage someone and to use this gift of encouragement to become a son or a daughter of encouragement? What we learn about Barnabas, even though we only little, you know, read about him a little bit in Acts 4, what we learn about him is that he would travel on multiple missionary journeys with Paul, preaching and teaching about the risen Savior. It was like this. Paul was like, man, if I had to choose one person out of all the people here to go with me on these trips— and if I really needed somebody, let me see, do I want, do I want the name? No, that guy's, na- he's always negative. Man, that guy gets really angry when he's hungry. Incur Barnabas. I'm taking Barnabas. This is who I want with me. Because this guy is gonna help me when I'm experiencing some hardships in life. I want him. He has this gift of encouragement and I need this to pull off what God is calling me to do. So if we're going to be an encouragement to one another, if we get this encouragement from the Holy Spirit to be an encouragement to others, how can we come alongside someone? How can we call alongside someone? How can we really be there with someone? Number one, super simple, we pray for them. Now this one has gotten really skewed over the years because anytime we face someone going through something, what is our common response? Hey man, I'll pray for you. Oh man, that's so hard. You know what, I'll, I'll be praying. Or you receive a message on your phone or uh, something on social and you go, oh man, that's so difficult, I'll pray for them. And what happens? We say that in our head, maybe we verbally tell them that, but what ends up happening more times than not, if we're super honest, is we go, man, I didn't spend an ounce of time really praying for them. Why? Because we get, we get focused on other things. We're, we're scrolling through something on our phone. Our life is full of so many responsibilities and duties and things that we need to do that we, we, we have the right intentions. We communicate the right things. But ultimately what happens is we fail to deliver on what we're actually said we're going to do. One of the best things that we can do for people is to honestly and fervently and humbly pray. Pray. And when you pray, pray like you mean it. You know what I'm saying? Like when you want, when you really care about something in life, it takes time and effort and pursuit. And when you experience a time in someone's life where they come to you going through a situation, facing something, let me just encourage you that one of the best things that you can do for them is to pray for them to God on their behalf. In fact, there are times where there are certain things that move me where I receive a message on my phone or something happening in in the church. One of them right now is my good friend, Ryan Laufer. Lost his dad to a battle of cancer Saturday morning. Got the text 
bright and early on Saturday. Can I tell you right now, I didn't just say to God, man, God, just comfort his family, be with them, amen. No, I'm blowing up his phone all Saturday afternoon. I probably left about three or two voicemails, three text messages, just, hey, man, I'm praying for you, dude. I'm thinking of you, man. I'm so sorry you lost your dad, man. That's so awful. If I can do anything, if I can help you, man, let me know. I lost my dad, too. If I can help support you and encourage you in any way, please let me know what I can do for you. I get off the phone. After leaving a voicemail, I just begin to think, and this is how I pray. I kind of walk in my house. This is just the way I pray, and so I just, I'm, I'm in my, my heart and my mind, I'm just praying, God, be with Ryan and Adrian right now. God, comfort them. God, provide your hope and your encouragement to them. God, show me what I can do. Maybe, maybe we can watch their kids. God, maybe we can pay for a plane ticket for them to go to, to Arizona to be with his mom. God, what, what can we do? See, what happens is when you diligently actually pray for someone going through something, what ends up happening is God begins to speak to you about things that you maybe don't want to do, but you should do. You go, man, God, let's pray for them. Maybe I can watch their kids. I'm not watching their kids. I already have two kids. I'm not watching their kids. You know what I mean? Like, I don't need more kids. Well, I need more kids, but my own, right? Like, you see what I'm saying? But, it, but what's amazing, though, is when you actually spend time listening to the Holy Spirit working in your life, here's what happens. You all of a sudden have an opportunity to be a hero and an influencer in someone's life. And not that, not that you're trying to do that, but that's what God's wanting you to do. It's so funny, we go, man, man, my, we, we pray for someone and go, well, God, I just really hope you just send the, send the right person, God, to send the right person for them. Have you ever thought you're the right person when you pray that? Go, man, man, God, I just pray you just really help them financially. Have you ever thought maybe you should help them financially? <laughs> Amen, dude. The baby's on my side. This is a good word. But no, we, we, we must get to this place where we go, okay, God, I get swarmed all the time with prayer requests or issues or things going on. And here's a lot of times what prayer does. Prayer makes us realize more importantly, there's probably not a whole lot I can do about the situation. I mean, I'm not God. I can't bring his dad back to life. But what I can do is I can pray, and then I can listen to the Holy Spirit and go, okay, God, I hear what you're saying. You're asking me to do when I spent this intentional time praying for them, and therefore I need to now obey you and follow it. One of the things we were talking about in our life group a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Holy Spirit is a lot of times we think the Holy Spirit's gonna come like this massive wind or fire that we saw in Acts 2. You know, we're just gonna be praying all of a sudden, Holy Spirit's just gonna go, boom! We think that's what's gonna happen, okay? But that's not usually what happens. What ends up happening is we're praying and God's working in our life and we're listening and our hearts are being moved by something and all of a sudden we just hear this little like, just bring them. And you're like, I'm not bringing anybody a coffee. You know, but that's how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. But here's what happens. If we don't stop to actually genuinely pray for them, and we don't take that time, here's what happens. We don't get the little whispers. We don't get the little, the little things. I mentioned in our life group that my, my wife and my daughters were in our backyard and we have these one neighbors that we really don't like right over here on the, uh, behind us. And the reason why we don't like them is because they built a huge shop right in the view of my backyard. So that's how I personally feel about them. But I know that's not God's heart. And my, my wife struck up a conversation with, with uh, the, 
the husband recently, and he said, you know, she's like, oh, that looks like you guys got a new dog. Where's your other dog? And she said, oh, he said, oh, well, we had a dog for 10 years, and he, he just passed away, and this is our daughter's dog, and we're dog-sitting because they're on vacation or whatever. And my wife just in that moment was like, you know, I should just give him some flowers and a card and put it out their door. And in my head, I'm like, don't do it to the shop neighbor. Like any other neighbor is deserving of the flowers, but not the shop people, you know? Nevertheless, she's way more compassionate and gracious than I am. Nevertheless, she brought, you know, flowers and a little card on the front door and, and left it there. I, I, I assume they got it. We haven't heard from them. It's not like they came to our front door and said, what must we do to be saved? I mean, that'd be awesome, but that's not what happened. But it was a step, listen, it was a step in obedience to what the Holy Spirit had put in her heart because she just took a moment to pray and think about that family. You hear what I'm saying here today? When we intentionally pray for someone, we become their encouragement. We become God's very presence in their life. We become a person of hope and love and joy in a moment where they need it the most. And when we don't, listen to me, when we don't pray, we don't hear. In fact, a lot of people go, man, I just want to hear God's voice. I, I just want to hear his will. What should I do? Well, read the Bible and you'll hear all from God. Spend some time in prayer. And when the little inclination of something that you should do comes up, do it. And watch what God can do. Just do it. Go, well, man, that wasn't God. No, I shouldn't. No, do it. I guarantee you that little thought you had, that little idea, that little thing that came in your head was meant for that person, was meant for you to do it. So if we're going to become this encouragement to others, we're going to genuinely pray for them. Number two here, we're going to listen. He who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. Proverbs 18, 13. One of the best ways to come alongside someone, one of the best ways to listen to someone, to help them with whatever they're facing, is to stop talking! They, they, they do all this research between, you know, men and women. Women want to, you know, vent and, and express their struggles, and they just want sympathy and empathy. And men want to fix and solve and make everything right, right? So your wife comes home or your fiance or girlfriend comes home and says, you know, this happened at work and so-and-so said this to me at school and they unfriended me on this. I can't believe it. And you're like, all right, who is he? All right, tell me who he is. I'll go take care of it. We, we naturally want to fix things, right? We naturally want to solve problems. And what ends up happening a lot of times in marriage, sure, in relationships, in anything, is instead of truly listening to someone and letting them express what they're going through, we become so impatient, and more than anything, we become so distracted. This is my favorite thing when I go to restaurants. Amanda and I are sitting at a dinner table. I look over, and this couple's doing this. Just them two hanging out on their phone. And I think to myself, man, what kind of relationship is that that you don't even look at each other in the eye because you're so glued to a device? But what's so poor is when I look at that and I judge that, I think how many times my wife's expressing something to me and I'm like watching the game on the team. I'm like, Can and she's like, are you listening? I'm like, what? Oh, I love you. She's like, I didn't say I love you. 
I actually hate you right now. I'm not just going to say that. But you know what I mean? Like, how many times does that happen? Where we don't actively listen to someone and what they're going through. We sit here and go, man, I want to be a daughter of encouragement. I want to be, have a nickname like a son of encouragement. I want to be known like that. That would be awesome to be known like that. Well, number one, you got to start praying genuinely. Number two, you got to listen well. Just close the yapper and just begin to go, man, am I listening so well to what they're going through? Listen, that I can repeat verbatim what they just said back to me in a way that's helpful. That's how you know someone's truly actively listening to you. In fact, counselors are one of the most incredible people and they make amazing money for a good reason. Why? Because they barely talk. I've been to counseling. They barely talk. And most of the time when you say things that's really deep and, and, and difficult, all they say back to you is, is you know, ma'am, I, I'm really missing my dad. I just wish he could be here to meet my kids. You know, that's, that's so difficult. I'm, I'm so sorry that you missed your dad. It, that's such an awful thing. And I, I totally understand that you miss him. You're like, wow. Like, what did you just do? You just repeated what I just said to you back to me in a really soft voice. It's like, let me pay you $70 an hour. You know what I mean? It's like, this is amazing. I got to get out of this pastoring thing and go into counseling. It wouldn't last. But my point though, right, is that we must take this opportunity to go, okay, God, I want to be known by this nickname of son of encouragement, daughter of encouragement. I want to be known for someone that is such an uplifter, is such a person that speaks life, that when someone comes to me, let's go, let's go do not disturb or power this thing down. Let's meet face to face and go, hey, what, what's going on in your life right now? Why, why are you having such a difficult time at your job? Have, I haven't seen you at church recently. What's, what's going on? Let, let's get real. Let's get honest. Let's get face to face. I want to hear, I want to listen to what you're going through. You know, one of the best things you can do for someone is just listen. Because more times than not, that person that's going through whatever they're going through probably already knows what they're supposed to do. Probably already knows the step they need to take or the change they need to make. And all they're looking for is someone just to kind of approve and trust and vent and know it's going to land on good ears. Not distracted ones, not opinionated ones, not, you know, they're sharing your story, but then all of a sudden the whole time it was you sharing your story. It's like, no, learn how to listen, learn how to stop talking. There's a quote that says, seek first to understand before being understood. Number three here, we're going to pray for them. We're going to listen to them. Number, number three here, we're going to speak truth over lies. Someone comes to you with a problem and says, I'm, I'm feeling alone. No, no one cares about me. No one checks in on me. I'm, I'm, I'm alone in my struggle against blank. Fill in the blank. Our responsibility as a daughter or son of encouragement is to go, man, that's not true. I care about you. In fact, Jesus told us in John that the Holy Spirit is with us as our comforter and our peace and that he'll never leave us as an orphan. But man, I want you to know I care for you. I want you to know that I'm with you. I want you to know that you're not alone. 
man, I'm, str- I'm struggling with this situation or that situation. I just feel like a failure. I feel like I'm not good enough. I feel like God doesn't love me. I feel whatever the case may be, what we do is we pray, we listen intently, and then we answer every lie that comes to us with the solution of Scripture. We go, listen to me. You're not going to be alone forever. No, God's going to bless you with a great job. God's going to take care of you with a great relationship. God's going to watch over your family. You don't have to be afraid. I, I, I feel like I see this all the time. It's like the, the parent competition between moms and dads. Moms more, though. Well, well, you know, my, my child's three, and my child does this. Oh, well, my child's three, and my child only does that, but they do this, and they do that. It's just it's this weird comparison competition of whose kid is better than who, and what kid can do what. And it's sad. Because you know what most moms and dads need who are young and are messing it up and screwing it up? You know what most moms and dads need? They just need to know, man, you're doing a great job, mom. You're an incredible mom. Well, my, you know, my kid at 10 months started walking. Well, my kid's one and a half and they're barely crawling. It's like, oh, there must be something wrong with you. It's like, who wants that? Nobody wants that. What they want is to hear, you're a great dad. Thank you for your hard work and your dedication to take care of our family and support and provide for our needs. And then you come home and you put the kids to bed and you make breakfast on the weekends. You're a hero, dad. No one wants to hear, well, man, you're just a deadbeat. You don't care. You're so selfish. You're going to do nothing with life. No one wants to hear these things. And yet, we're so prone with social media and so prone to want to speak lies instead of truth. To want to be negative instead of positive. To want to be saying things that we know are not true but make us feel good about ourselves. If you want to be an encourager, you want to be a son or daughter of encouragement, can I tell you one of the greatest things you can do is just to speak truth over people's lives. Someone says, man, I'm never going to graduate from high school. Yeah, you are. You're going to graduate with honors and you're going to go to college and you're going to do something with your life. Don't ever say that again. You guys hear what I'm saying? We're going to pray genuinely for people. We're going to listen attentively. We're going to speak these truths over lies. And lastly, we're just going to show up. Time and time and time again, we're just going to show up. Just the ministry of presence. I'll never forget being a youth pastor and at times I would go to a student's game and I'd be on the sidelines and I would be like, you're doing awesome, Johnny. And all of a sudden he like sees me and I got a loud voice, as you could tell. And all of a sudden he's like, he's like, you know, and then later on a week or two or a month later or a year later, that kid would come and go, dude, you used to go to my ball games. You used to yell and tell me how good of a job I did. You're amazing. It's like an hour of the week. It's so crazy that we think it takes a large rock to make a big splash, and yet God says, I want to use a little rock to make a big splash. You just show up. You get that call, you get that text, someone's facing something, things are out of control, you don't know what to do, you don't even know what to say, your word, you're going to get your words all fumbled around. Dude, just get in the car and go. Get, get on the plane and be there. 
Show up unannounced and go, man, I'm here, what can I do? We show up in people's lives. Barnabas showed up to be with Paul and to cheer him on, to be present with him. And time and time again, I guarantee you, Barnabas was learned to be the hero in Paul's life. In fact, some theologians would argue that if it wasn't for Barnabas, Paul may would have given up a long time ago on what God has called him to do. Think about this. What if you, God is calling you in this very moment to be the kind of encourager, to be the kind of uplifter in someone's life where right this very moment they want to give up and throw in the towel. Right this very moment they're considering taking their life or doing something reckless with their life and yet now you're in their life and God's going to use you for them to reach their potential. See, what qualities will you and I be known by? We need people of encouragement in our lives. We need, we need people that will just say, man, I believe in you. You have what it takes. Do not give up. You got this. Do not be afraid. I will be there to help you. Gosh, you're so good looking. I love your shoes. I mean, we need that. We need that so much in our lives. In fact, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit that the Bible teaches about is the actual gift of encouragement. Wow. But there's some people in this room that you are just naturally gifted at going, come on, you got this. Let me help you. There's just some people in the room that are like really good at that. And if that's you, man, let me just encourage you, fan that flame. Fan that flame and use that gift to bless and encourage people and lift up their soul because that is an awesome gift to have. That you constantly look at life as half full, you're excited, you're pumped, and you're going, dude, who can I bless? Who can I uplift? Who can I encourage? Who can I build up? That's a gift if you have that here today. And I know some of you do. Thinking about a message like this, sparked in my heart just to share a little bit of a, of a vision piece with you of just something that's been stirring in my heart for our church. Man, I had, I had an amazing mom and dad who were both very encouraging in my life. And because of them, I stand on this stage humbly because of the effort and the encouragement in my life. But I realize there's a lot of people in life, especially young men and men in general, who just don't have this in their life. They don't have someone going, you can do this, man. I believe in you. You have what it takes. So I've been praying and thinking about God, what does this look like? And one of the things I'm really contemplating right now and trying to figure out where is starting in April, I'm starting a weekly leadership journey for men, both young and old men, where we can be an encouragement to one another. What does it look like? Where is it going to be? How's it going to work? I don't know. But I know one thing's going to happen. You're going to leave discouraged. You're going to come discouraged maybe, and you're going to leave encouraged. Why? Because men need this. Sure, women need to be encouraged. Yes, obviously it's across both sexes. But I believe today in our world, we need young men to hear from old men, you're going to make it. You're going to do great things. You're gonna lead the church someday. You're gonna have an amazing family. You don't have to give up. I'm gonna help you get through what you're going through. 
I really believe this with all my heart. And so I'm going to encourage you to pray for this. Pray that God will open up the door for the location, how it's going to work, because I believe God's doing something in our church, and I believe he's called us to be an encouragement to others. Let me pray for you today. Lord Jesus, today, right now, God, we just come before you, God, recognizing that we need encouragement from you, God. Lord, maybe some came in here today and they were feeling discouraged. Maybe they came here today, they were feeling beat down. Maybe there's a mom in this room that feels like I'm, I'm not a good enough mom. Or a dad in here feels like I can't measure up. Or if I only made more, if I only did more, then my family or my spouse would recognize what I'm doing. God, I don't know, but I do believe with all my heart today, God, that you want to encourage each one of us. That God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, you want us to be encouraged by you today. That we are good enough in your eyes. That we are loved by you. That we are your daughter, we are your sons. That you care for us. And that we can walk in confidence and walk in authority and walk in your blessing because of what you've done on the cross. Now, if you're here today, you just say, you know, man, I walked in today and I just, I feel beat down. I feel broken. I feel alone. I feel so discouraged. If you're here today, you say, you know, that's me. I just, I felt that all week. Today's no different. Would you just be so bold and lift up your hand in this place here today? If you just feel so discouraged. Just lift up your hand. Every hand up in this place. Slip up your hand. I want to pray for you today. Lord Jesus, you see the hands that are raised. God, you see the discouragement that they've been facing. I pray today, God, they would hear from you right now, God. You are more than enough in God's eyes. You are more than enough. I love you far more than what you can imagine or think. Would you be encouraged today by the outpouring of his Holy Spirit? And God, lastly today, I pray, God, you would help us to be sons and daughters of encouragement. Man, I want to be known by this, God. Help us to be known by this quality. People that would build one another up, that would hold each other's arms and heads up, and that you would use us in our world, God. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.